0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. We're going to slide back a little bit. We haven't had uh, all of the officers on, and we were doing a little bit of inventory the other day, and went, "Wait a second, we've missed Bob Miller." Our, what, how many years now are you into your position? positions? Is this four, five, fifth years? I
1: think it's five.
0: Five years. Five yes. Years. Yes. Bob and I came in when we. Uh, I always like to say the word bifurcated. When we bifurcated the tre- Secretary Treasurer's uh, position several years ago, Bob took the money route and I took the, uh, the uh, wordsmithing route and the recorder's route. And uh, we tag-teamed it for several years and Bob stayed on um, and uh, managing the business of, of NSPS. So welcome, Bob. We appreciate you being on. Thank you. All right. Well, let's, but, let's, let's, uh, let's just start in real quick here. Um, Bob Miller surveyor, who are you? Where are you? And, uh, what's, uh, what's going on in your life right now?
1: Okay. Well, I've been surveying since nineteen seventy seventy one. 71. Um, I always like to tell the story of how I got into surveying because I think it's so familiar with other people. Um, but first, I'll give you a little background of where I'm at. I, I'm at Horizon Engineering in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to know where that is, if you're familiar with any counties, I am right where four counties meet, Montgomery, Lehigh, Berks, and Bucks. So uh it's it's a good place i've been here 15 years and i'll get into the story of how i got here a little later but i am serving as the vice president and director of surveying here i have a cast of six surveyors working with me the company is only 12 people at when i came on 13 years ago, there were 33 people, and that was in 2007 when the famous recession. And we went down to six, so I got to know everybody real close. And this is where we're at now. But anyway, going back to my start, I was going to college in Southwest Pennsylvania at California State University. I was in computer science wanted to work at the best computer science labs in the state school system. There's 16 state school systems in Pennsylvania, and they were the cheapest, and since I was paying for my own freight, (laughs) I wanted to make sure I went to the place that had the best computers, and that was California. Uh, My brother-in-law's brother also went there, and luckily I had a ride for a few few months until I had my own car. Anyway, started out there in the math field and getting into the computers. And during that time, I had the unfortunate, uh, happening of my father passing away Hmm. and I was 18 at the time. So I went home and my mother was living by herself then. So I stayed with her for the holidays, came back, finished the, the year, And then I I stay home for a while. Uh, I did realize as I was going to school there that I loved math, but I couldn't see myself sitting in front of a computer the rest of my life. And surveying, working outside and doing the math, just that, that was a perfect opportunity. Something that I know in talking to advisory boards everywhere and and interviewing students, they all, they think that's a great thing. So, I decided to go, at the time I was a musician, I played drums since I was eight years old, and I was really excited to get into symphonic timpani. I really wanted to be a symphonic timpanist. Kettle drum some people would say and i went to westchester university and i tried to get in there for math or for the music and that's when i was really taken back by the system because i had very high board scores but the five parts that i took for the test the one was singing they put music in front of you and it was like opera style now we want you to sing Uh (laughs) i failed that part and i did great in all the other parts and i didn't get in and meanwhile my stepbrother my mom had remarried by then um he had a football scholarship and a letter and his board scores were 500 points lower than mine and he got in (laughs) That's it. I hate the system. I'm getting out. I drove a salad truck delivering potato and macaroni salad for a few months. Then I went skiing and spent a lot of money. At at that time, $350 for ski equipment was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I bought ski equipment and the second time out I was doing so great until I hit Tried to take that last hill and went that straight over the mogul and broke my leg. Oh. <laughs> and by the way, I didn't ski until last year. I tried it again and oh, I was wow. on, the, couldn't stay up. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, then my both my brother in laws were surveyors. Uh, one worked for this Pennsylvania Game Commission and one worked at an engineering firm in Reading, Pennsylvania. And I decided, uh, well, they talked me. My one brother-in-law talked me into coming to work for him he said while you're in the cast on your leg you'll learn how to draft and when you get out you'll become a surveyor you'll go out in the field that was the start uh, over the years i've worked for 11 different companies um it was i was with that company five years and i really didn't learn too much i i realized now that The guys that I was working with were too interesting and having a lot of fun on the job and not really teaching me anything. Then I took a job with Thomas Gibbons Surveying. And at the time, Thomas Gibbons was the Pennsylvania Society of Land Surveyors State President. Hmm. So I found out all about the society. I joined the society in 1976, and I've been a member ever since. And he really taught me a lot about what surveying's all about. And you have to, something I like to tell people is back at that time, Tom told me, he said, if you're walking down the street, if I'm walking down the street and I see another surveyor coming, I'm going to cross the street because I don't want to talk to them. The, there was no camaraderie camaraderie between surveyors. Sure. It, it was not a fun time and the society really did a lot of work to try to get that to stop that at the same time philadelphia had their survey regulators which that did not mingle at all with surveyors from the rest of the state we got those involved and in fact carl craig was a state president and he was a survey regulator so uh things really changed in 93 i became the uh state president uh, And here I am, 11 companies later, and I'm really secure and planning my retirement in three years. Very good.
0: You know, it's something I was thinking of while you were mentioning that, that, you know, there's so much that's pushed on, especially the millennials now, millennials and now Gen Z of... Not being loyal to a company, not being loyal to to a to to some you know certain amount of people, and I look back at a lot of surveying firms and a lot of surveyors I know that while it's I think it's kind of perceived as job hopping, it, it was it most of the time a surveyor is looking for a a better opportunity. Like you just said, you weren't in some place where you weren't growing. So rather than staying loyal, you went somewhere to learn more, to expand your career.
1: Yes. And every place, you know, I can look back and I, you know, there's some places I lasted six months. And that was when my brother-in-law started his own company. And I realized he couldn't run a company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I learned how to lay block. There was a lot of things I learned there, but I wasn't, you know, getting anywhere and surveying. But yes, I do not regret anywhere I worked. I I did have my own business back at, from 93 to 98. I partnered up with a. I I say now, he was a genius. He was only 30 years old and he was coming from a company where he was making $300,000. and. Mm-hmm take a book on surveying he could read it that night and come in in the morning and know what i'm talking about uh he didn't know how to pay uncle sam though uh,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i i paid for that but you know even at that point i learned so much about running a business because i was the technical end he was the business end and he was doing a great job other than what I mentioned Mm -hmm. and it was not going very well. I know when this happened, the management came in and said how we were losing money. And I just, I didn't want to quit at that time. I knew I couldn't stay there because we had differences of opinion principles. And I just thought, well, I don't want to leave here in the red. And in about a year, uh, got him got us in the black and he still has that company to this day oh good well good uh, yeah but the diversity of going to all these companies you just learn more and more and it's just like i did a lot of construction stakeout for residential subdivisions and then i came here and when that recession hit we had to diversify such that we could Mm -hmm and the company was run by a husband and wife team both engineers and the wife took over and when you go to do that to become a woman-owned business you really have to go through a lot of hoops for a year she made sure all the finances were run by her that she was doing the majority of the engineering and sure enough she we got it at the end of the year, we we got the Women-Owned Business title, and from that, we went after PennDOT work, Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. And if you have that title, 10 to 15 percent of the jobs go to certain uh, companies have to hire a, a WBE or a SPE and that just turned the company into something else and up until that time considering i've worked 50 years in the business i didn't know what staking out a bridge for pendot or a highway until uh, 15 years ago no 10 years ago
0: right and
1: now i've staked out 50 bridges oh boy just you you don't know where this is going to take you absolutely And I know I went into business because people said, you're not going to get anywhere financially if you don't have your own business. Well, I proved them wrong. (laughs) First of all, I wasn't getting rich quick with my own business. And that may be my own fault. I don't know. But after that, I was given, you know, if you do a good job, word gets around. And people offered me things I couldn't reviews. You bet. You and bet. Um, here I am, very happy today. So, well, good.
0: Well, good. Uh, I guess developing your career in Pennsylvania and what little I know, basically just a few times driving through, it to me is can be, seems like that would be a challenging terrain at times. Um, g- 'Cause I'm you know, here I am. I you know, grew up in Illinois, flatlander, whatever, I can see for miles. What's surveying like in Pennsylvania? What are some of the things you've done uh that you feel like kind of unique to Pennsylvania?
1: Well, the very first survey job I had was prior to going into surveying. I worked the summer for the Pennsylvania State Game Commission because my brother in law was a surveyor crew chief for the game commission. And that was going to a, I, I remember I worked that summer at one place and it was in Tyrone, Pennsylvania, where the game commission line went right across the top ridge of a mountain. Oh boy. And we would pack our lunches. We'd live in a hotel for four days or four nights. We'd pack our lunches in a cooler. We'd eat out, up on the mountain and i was blazing trees and putting pennsylvania game commission tags on the trees they don't survey they don't traverse around the lines they traverse along the line mm-hmm. so this was just like cutting anything in the way and it was it was interesting but when it came time for a rain day They sat and did their paperwork in the hotel while I used a honing stone and sharpened all the machetes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That wasn't fun. But um, that was was there. That was surveying the mountains. And then where I've been in Southeast Pennsylvania, mostly in urban culture and city work, I've worked down in the city many times in Philadelphia do a lot of mostly sub- suburban work. But now with the, the PennDOT work, I go as far as York and as far north as the border of New York. So I'm covering almost half the state with the, the places that we that we do work. And there's quite a bit of diversity just in that. I know several jobs. Here's Here's a farm Story, I had to survey a turkey for him when I worked for Tom Gibbon and i I still remember to this day I was on we were walking across the ridge and there was a fence there and you could look down in a hollow and you saw these two big buildings that were oh maybe four hundred feet long, and you knew the turkeys were in there and there's a a Tom turkey that walks around he's like the guard he's constantly. <laughs> Okay. Well, there must be a certain time when they let all the turkeys out to get their exercise. That was, I saw this, there was a horror movie when I was a kid called Day of the Triffids, when these plants attacked everybody. And I I looked out. all I saw were hundreds of turkeys coming up the hill because they saw us. We were making noise. And we're working up there, and they're right across the fence. They're four or five deep. <laughs> and the worst part was whenever you mentioned, some, like I'd say, take wine. Right. It cackled <laughs> <laughs> And you hear 400 turkeys cackling like that. You can't even talk to each other. Because,
0: oh, it's got to be loud.
1: That was, that was a good experience. Um, then you turn around and do something like if anyone's familiar with Pottstown, Pennsylvania, Pottstown was built. Uh, It's right next to the Schuylkill River. And there were three streams that went up through the town and the city was built over those three streams. And they're starting to show foundation cracks in buildings. And they thought, well, something must be wrong here. Where are the streams? We don't know, we never had them surveyed. So we had to survey three half mile streams going into the city. And then we, a lot of places there were inlets that left go loose into those um, creeks, I guess you would call it. And we had to survey the surface and the bottom. So as we're surveying through there, we're locating the inlets. And some places we were going through, it's all stream bed that we're walking on. Mm -hmm. Some it's two feet deep, some it's six inches deep. Some, they could be 20 feet wide with a concrete arch and and that arch is only three feet high some we could be in a tunnel built by brick and you can touch both sides with your hands and six feet up is the roof of the brick so it was really interesting and sure enough we were supposed to chart everything we came to a point where we saw this cavernous hole on the side of the tunnel and we went over and i shined my light up and i saw the bottom of macadam and right away, I thought, somebody keeps driving over that, sooner or later it's gonna collapse. And I remember meeting penned out officials up above and I said, there's a problem down there. I said, we saw McAdam. macadam, it should be right around here. And they said, well, there's, no, there's nothing showing in the street that there's a problem. I said, well, what's that? Right there, the sidewalk was buckled and a lamppost was leaning over. That's where it was starting to collapse. Oh boy. It took about, six cement trucks to fill that void <laughs> but yeah so you've had the, the 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 variety all different types of surveying and now we, we do everything we do highways up in the the mountains or we work down in philly on on a bridge so
0: sure sure i want to take a step back into the the actual organization uh of nsps for just a little bit because something that uh in the in the time that you and I've been in together um you've always been engaged with something on the educational side whether you're teaching whether it's trigstar which I'd like to talk about a little bit there's always been something um and I guess tell us about you know, what's this what's this drive what's this passion about uh mm-hmm. talking about the education to to the the younger generations?
1: I found out a long time ago. In 1993, uh, Pennsylvania has their Surveyors Conference, and they average about 900 to 1,000 people that come to the conference, and especially now when we have continuing education credits. Well, it wasn't until I worked with Tom Gibbons that I found out that there was an educational institute <laughs> in Pennsylvania, and there was actually a degree program for surveyors. And to this day if I would have known that I would be a teacher at college right now because I love teaching, but in in 1993 I started teaching a with other gentlemen from our chapter down in the Delaware Valley teaching a review course for the surveyors exam. And from that blossomed into doing that at the state level for the conference. And then I moved out into separate directions there and I was teaching basic survey math and applied survey math. And that's where I got to doing the the trigonometry teaching. I also started teaching uh, legal descriptions. In fact, I just did a legal description seminar recently I did construction surveying, I did uh, some boundary law, and that, it's just been such a passion. I I really felt like I missed out on on doing that, and to this day, I probably have about 200 credit hours just teaching, (laughs) so, and then I heard, this is what got me into NSPS. Uh, there was a at that time now we have directors, but we used to have a, a governor from each state. And the governor from our state was Ed Northrop. And he told me that there's this program, Trigstar, and he knew I was teaching the courses at the conference for basic math. And I said, Well, tell me about this Trigstar. And he said, It's actually going into schools and giving a test telling kids about trig trigonometry telling them yes don't bug your teacher that they're never you're never going to use this the rest of your life because you may be a surveyor and you will always use it (laughs) exactly so that's what i had to tell these people the teachers just love it because they never had anything to apply it so that spurred me on i said where can i join they said they needed a Uh, a chairman for the spread TRIGSTAR in Pennsylvania. So I went to my first uh, NSPS meeting in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, It was just the executive board. It wasn't all the governors. And then there was a TRIGSTAR committee. And I met there, and at that time, there was probably 12 people in that TRIGSTAR committee. But I learned that was 2005. And it was only, I don't even think it was two years later that I took over the governorship for Pennsylvania. And meanwhile, I was doing Trigstar 2. I have since passed Trigstar on, but I expected to get back into it and then COVID hit and it's, I haven't been involved with it, but I expect to get back into it. So. Well, you've been a
0: big proponent of TrigStar for for many years, so I, like I said, I wanted to touch touch on that a little bit because uh, there was, you know, there there are naysayers out there, and I think part of it is people don't realize it's the time ta- the time that it takes to go into these classes to be able to teach this stuff. It's not like there anybody's paying for it. It is volunteer time on the surveyors' part. So any return is significant uh if if you reach one one student in there it it that to me that's that's well worth it so um yeah
1: there was a lot of yeah i've had to fight that off a lot over the years in fact i've had people come up to me and say i don't know one surveyor that came into surveying because of trig stock he said that's not the point how many students don't know what a surveyor is until we go into the school and the teachers there's a lot of teachers that have no idea what we do and to see the glow in their face when i'm talking up there and they're just like wow the teacher looks like santa claus is talking to him it, it's amazing um so yeah I, I just think it's a great thing and it really gets point across that trigonometry is something that you could use and you may really like it and so we put the test on and i just think it's great and it's not going to you know as much as people say you're not going to get a surveyor by having trigstar i do know several occasions where there was a I know several people that switched from civil engineering to surveying that had taken the trig star test. I know the the state winner, or no, the national winner one year was from Ohio State, and he was in civil, and he switched to survey. Right, right. Oh, so, yeah. You never athletes. know.
0: You never know. Like you said, it, 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 and until we make that effort if the profession makes that effort to broadcast who we are what we are and that's a way in and and like you said being able to show the teachers and the students uh an application of this high level math uh it's, it's otherwise we we've got nothing and uh i think it's i think it's great the all the, the time you've put in over the years um I want to step back for just a second, back into your into teaching, into the basics, into a lot of these classes. We've moved into an era where we've got so much technology. Whether it's data collectors, it's all of this stuff. Um, what what do you tell a young student that says, "Yeah, I want to survey, but I've got this fancy data collector. I don't need to know any of that that stuff behind the scenes. I just need to be able to know which buttons to push." Well. I, how do how do we how do we convince them that they need to know those basics?
1: Well, the, that's the the way I look at the basic math course that I teach, it's theory. It's like if you're a musician, you go to a music theory class just to know the basic and know what's making this tick. And you have a data processor, but what's the data processor doing? It's doing the trigonometry that it'd be good for you to know. Uh, you, you just have to, there's so many different things, like understanding highways and vertical curves. That's that's one where, oh, it's real easy to plug in a formula, but to know what makes up a vertical curve, I always tell them, I don't want you coming back in here if you if your batteries run out you figure out how to do it. Just like so many places I've started working at. Now I've been a manager, I was in the field for about 12 years and I've been a manager ever since. And I've gone some places where I'm just starting, I don't know how these guys work and they come back and well, we couldn't stake that house because there was a dirt pile in the way. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, are you kidding me they in in fact one of the places i worked the 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 guys that were working for me were both older than me so here's this young guy coming in right and they were hand fed a piece of paper with the it had a coordinate for everything on it but it also had the radial stakeout and they knew what the coordinate was they just said turn and turn this angle and go this distance and that's what they did
0: yep okay well mr bob miller treasurer of nsps and all this wealth of knowledge what is one good piece of advice for the future surveyor somebody that steps up and says i i see this profession i think i'm i get it but what, what one, piece, one nice piece of, of nugget of, of advice would you give to that person jumping into surveying?
1: I would say, first of all, if you love math, if you like working outside, if, you're, if you like legal issues, if you like diversity, there is so much diversity in this business if you're with a bigger firm or a small firm you can still have diversity it's up to you to make it you can diversify the company you can find a new task that you can do that no one thinks you can do you can spread your arms into a certain field and you know when i think of what excites me in the field I have to say a boundary survey computing a boundary survey if you like to put jigsaw puzzles together oh yeah love this job i mean it there's so much that goes into it not just the laws but what you find in the field or your surveyors find in the field how you put the mosaic together of the deeds and what works and what doesn't it's just there's so much involvement there and it's There's not too many surveyors that get that opportunity. It's always good to share your, your knowledge. You learn your knowledge outside and inside, make sure that you get to work inside too, because it's not just going out in the field. You want to learn everything.
0: Yep, exactly. That's what I tell people. If you want to be just in the field, go be a farmer. This is it. this is a job that's everything. And uh people like I said, t- until you really scratch the surface and explain it to people, they don't get all of the the nuances of this job. And like you said, if if you like math, if you like history, if you like uh solving puzzles, this this is it. This is uh yeah. this is where you want to be. So all right. Well I appreciate you being on with us. We try to keep these to a 30 minutes plus or minus. And uh, uh, we know you're a busy man as well. So uh, we will, uh, we'll leave it off here and uh, we'll probably catch up with you again in in the future and uh, see how things are rolling along uh, in uh, the the life of Bob Miller. So uh, we appreciate you being here. So uh, that's it. Yes, exactly. And well, and that's just it. People need to understand that, uh, you know, this is an association. This is uh, the advocate for the for the national prof- national view for the profession, um, but it's it's every it's everyday people. I mean, we still put our pants on the same way everybody else does, and uh, it's it's nice to to get to know the people behind all of the the organization. So we appreciate everything you do for us. You've kept us fiscally responsible, and uh, that's uh, that's a that's a big thing as well. All right. Well, that's it for Surveyor Says this week. We've got a whole bunch of stuff good coming up in the month of March with uh, with Women's History Month as well. And a lot of answer and uh, National Surveyor's Week as well in the middle of March. So uh, my name is Tim Birch and uh, this has been Mr. Bob Miller. And uh, from NSPS, we say good day. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.